0: Okay, you ready? So here's the question then, right? What, what Peter is giving to us this morning is the question, can you, can you accept those difficult times in your life and see them as God kindly working for your good? Can you receive all the difficulty? Can you receive all the disappointment, all the challenge, all the heartache, everything you know about in terms of difficult days? Can you receive the difficult days and see them as a way that God is going to work in your life because He loves you? Can you see them as the way God is going to work in your life because it's the nature of God to want your favor and what's best for you? Can you see them as God working in your life to to achieve what is the greatest good and purpose in your life that He dreams for you. Now, that's a challenge. See, so often when difficult days come, uh, we think about suffering and we say, that's bad. Suffering is bad. We don't want any suffering in our life. It's all bad. And, And sometimes we'll even go to the point where we blame God for it. Amen? We go to the point where we say, God, why are you doing this to me? The challenge Peter gives is to be able to receive the difficulty as a person of faith, standing strong in faith, and understand that God is at work. And that even this difficulty, this suffering, has a purpose in our life. Now, we can see that clearly if we listen to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, as he wrote to uh, the church in Rome, and remember, this is the church in Rome, which will become significant later. As he wrote to the church in Rome, he said, By faith we have been made acceptable, God, and now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace. Okay, This is our standard. This is where we live. We live in peace. We live at peace with God. Now, look at this. Christ has also introduced us to God's undeserved kindness, that's His grace, on which we take our stand. So we are happy as we look forward to sharing in the glory of God. Now get this, but that's not all. We gladly suffer. Do you hear that? We gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. And endurance builds character, which gives us a hope that will never disappoint us. All this happens because God has given us the Holy Spirit who fills our hearts with His love. Paul, like Peter would want to challenge us today with that same question. Can can we understand that even the difficult things in our life become the opportunity for God to shape us, mold us, chisel us into the person that He created us to be? And all of that contributes to us being able to achieve the purpose for which God has us in this world. I mean, you heard it from both Peter and Paul now, both of them understanding that that God is at work, even in the most difficult of days, even the most difficult of circumstances, and He's at work for our good. Notice how Paul ended there. All this happens. Even the difficult days, even the difficult stuff. All this happens. Why? Because God has given us the Holy Spirit and He fills our hearts with His love. You see, Paul would want us to understand that all we need is Christ in our life. And and if we have Christ in our life and we stand in that grace, then anything that happens to us, we can receive as an opportunity for God to do something great and good in our life. We can receive our suffering because we know God loves us. All all we have to do is look at the cross and, and we can see that Jesus received the suffering. Now, was he excited about it? No, not at all. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he said, Lord, look, if it's possible, let this pass me by. But he received the suffering because he knew this was God's purpose for him. This was part of God's work in, in and through his life. So the question becomes, can we understand? and And understand God's love for us is great enough that even the most difficult of things in our lives become those opportunities for God to chisel us and create us and mold us and fashion us and make us who He wants us to be. Now, a lot, a lot of you know, uh, but some of you may not, but uh, when I was 13 years old, my, uh, my dad was killed in, uh, in an automobile accident. Uh, tough thing for a 13-year-old uh, to go through to all of a sudden uh, be without a dad. But you know, I've looked back at that experience over and over in my life, and and uh, I've never really uh, questioned God about it. I, I never really got angry with God about it. I never really, uh, you know, came to that place in my life where I well, like I blamed God for it. Um, in in fact, just the opposite has always been true for me. As I look at that experience in my life, I I just I've come to see it over and over again as that place where God was working the most powerful in my life. Um, I just. Knew it. I, I mean, I just experienced it as, as those days were unfolding that, that God was present, that God was near, that God was loving, that God was compassionate, that, that God was bringing the right people into our lives in those moments, and that, yeah, that God was just using that moment. I am absolutely convinced that I am who I am today, and I, and I am the person of faith that I am today. Because of those experience, that experience. Because God was in that experiencing, experience molding me and shaping me and using me to become the person He wanted me to be. Now, did God want that to happen in my life? No, absolutely not. Of course not. He's a loving Father, and, and He wanted me to have a loving Father here on earth as well. But you know what? It doesn't always work out that way, because we learn there's an evil one prowling around, causing havoc in this world and in our lives. And that was what happened on that day. The evil one, that lion that we talked about last week, was prowling around and succeeded in taking my father from me. But God was greater. God was greater. And, and to this day, I can, I can look back and I can accept that experience and I can say, God was greater. God was greater than the suffering and the disappointment and the heartache and the difficulty of that moment. See, the hard thing that we probably learned here in 1 Peter more than anything else is that the 1 Peter makes it really clear for us that to follow Christ, to walk in his footsteps, means that there will be suffering in our life. And and not just the suffering that comes from, you know, just kind of existing in the broken world, but that there'll be suffering that comes in our life because we follow Christ, because we stand up for Christ, because we take a stand for Christ. Remember, we we stand up and we stand out as those leaders that that He's put a call on our life. And when we stand up as those leaders, you know what? Challenge is going to come against us. The evil one does not want us to succeed. And so we will experience some suffering. We will experience some disappointment. We will experience some heartache. Peter tells us that very clearly, and he ends the letter, this letter of encouragement. He ends the letter reminding us of this truth. If you uh, go into the text again, he just says it real point blank. He says, you will suffer for a while. You will suffer for a while. It's, It's right there at the end of verse 10. You will suffer for a while. He just is telling Christians that. He's saying, look, the the time is going to come. And and yeah, it's only for a while, but you just got to expect it. you got to receive it and understand it. You are going to suffer for a while. Now, does that mean we go look for suffering? No, not at all. It's not that we wake up in the morning and say, man, I wonder if I can find some good suffering today to prove my faith. Now, of course not. We don't go look for suffering, but suffering will find us. And and it's in the letter, it's kind of hidden in the letter, but it's in his conclusion here. If you look at verse 13 of the letter, he says kind of this peculiar thing that theologians have kind of bartered about over the years, right? And argued about, but he says in, in verse 13, Greetings from the Lord's followers in Babylon. They are God's chosen ones. Now, wait a minute. Greetings from the Lord's followers in Babylon? What? Babylon, what is he talking about here? Most of what God I believe that what Peter is doing here is referring to the church in Rome. Remember I told you, remember about Rome, right? He's referring to the church in Rome. That's where he's probably writing this letter from. He's writing from the, from the heart of the church there in Rome. And remember, it's Rome, the government, who is persecuting the church. So he's right at the, at the center of where that persecution is taking place. It's kind of like the, the epicenter of the earthquake, you know. He is right there in the midst of it. And so as he's writing the letter from the center of where persecution is taking place to all these Christians out there spread out through this whole big region to reassure reassure them and encourage them, he writes not looking for the opportunity to get in trouble. He refers to the church in Rome as the church in Babylon. It's kind of coded language so that if any of the government officials or any of those who are persecuting the church get a hold of this letter, they won't say, Oh, this is coming from that church at Rome. Oh, 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 we know where they are. We know how we can get them. So he's not looking for trouble, is he? He's not looking to create suffering. And yet he reminds us guess what? Suffering is going to come. It's going to come. This is a great balance for us as we end this letter. It's it's a great word to us that just reminds us, hey, we we don't have to go out there and and, uh, look for the opportunity to bring disappointment into our life, nor is God looking for the opportunity to bring heartache into our life. But because we live in a broken world, because that lion is loose and prowling, we just have to accept and realize that it will come into our life. And it brings us back then to the question, When it comes, are you ready to accept it as God's opportunity to work in your life? To chisel away, shape, mold, and fashion you? Peter wants to make a promise to us that this is indeed what God can do. It comes to us at the end of uh, verse 10, uh, where he has been reassuring us about Hey, what God can do here, and and suffering will come, but, and that's where it is, you will suffer for a while, but God will make you complete, steady, strong, and firm. He uses four words there, okay? Four words. God will make you complete, steady, strong, and firm. Now, those are four interesting words uh, in the Greek, okay? if you get underneath the Greek language and you look at those words, this is the promise he's saying, look, you, you may go through suffering, but if you receive the suffering in the right attitude, if you receive it as an opportunity for God to work in your life, this is what God can do with suffering in your life. This is what he can achieve. He can make you complete, steady, strong and firm, complete. The word that's used there in the Greek is the word that's used for setting a broken bone. It's, it's the process of, of a fractured bone being mended and strengthened back together. It, it's also used in the Gospel of Mark to refer to that experience where the fishermen mend their nets, right? Where a net has been broken and they, and they go in and they repair the net and they make it complete and they make it strong once again. See, it's the image for us that God can take that brokenness and, and He can use that to, to mend our lives back together into a new place, into a new, a, a new level, right? That he, can, he has that grace, that kindness, that ability, that love for us to be able to take what is fractured and actually renew it and actually mend it back together, make it as good as it once was or even better. That he can raise us to a new level of strength and greatness in our faith. That's also kind of in the in the second word there. He uses the word steady. Uh, steady, this word is a reference to uh, something being as hard as rock, uh, as solid as granite, is, is the, the underneath meaning. right? What, what's he saying? Look, this is what can happen in your life. This is what can happen to your faith. That if you're willing to receive the suffering with that right attitude, you can get such a, a solid faith that your life can be so solid and steady and sturdy that it can take on anything. I mean, what happens with rocks? I mean, it, you know, stuff bounces off, right? When something hits a rock, it bounces off because the rock is so so solid right, and firm. And, and this is the image he wants us to get, that we can be complete, that we can be steady. Then he says we can be strong. We can be strong. And underneath that word is an understanding of, of being filled to overflowing with strength. That it's it's being, you know, Mr. Universe uh, and again some, right? It's, it's having muscles just bulging out in strength and, and then some, right, even more. It's... Just, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his, you know, Mr. Universe days and then some, right? I mean, it's this idea of being just incredibly strong. See, what what Peter's trying to do is lift for us these images to say, if you receive it with the right attitude, this is what God can do. That, That He can make your life and elevate your life more than you can imagine. To create your strength so that it is overflowing. And it overflows into other people's lives so that they look at you in the middle of the suffering and say, how in the world are you doing this? And the answer is God's grace, God's love, God's kindness towards me, God's favor that's on my life. His grace is sufficient, remember? And then the last word. The last word he used is, is firm. And that word has that underlying meaning of, of a foundation. You know, that firm foundation of the house, right? Right? And, and Peter wants us to get again that understanding that this is just solid stuff that we build our life on. That we can receive that suffering, we can receive that disappointment, because we know the foundation of our life, our faith, is strong enough to endure and overcome. Well, then he ends the letter. And, and it's interesting, he ends the letter giving us examples of, of the truth of everything he's just said. Examples in the lives of those who are involved with him right now in writing uh, this letter. Uh, he says, Silvanus helped me write this short letter and I consider him a faithful follower of the Lord. And then he also refers to Mark. Mark, who is like a son to me, sends his greetings too. So, So Peter gives us an example of of not just his life, but the lives of others who were involved in writing this letter. Now, it's an interesting thing. After uh, uh, worship last Sunday, when I was uh, greeting folks and talking to folks, one of our members came up, one of our covenant members came up and said, wow, I only got one question, and that is, how did this Peter, this fisherman, get so smart to write such an incredible letter? Here's the answer. Peter wrote it along with Silas, Silvanus, Silas. It was probably Silas who was crafting the words and the makeup of the letter, and it was Peter who was pouring out the insights that were being captured. Peter, uneducated fisherman, but Silas, Silas was a bright guy. He was an educated fisherman. Uh, educated person, he he could write fluently, and so we can even see in the letter, this last part we're referring to now, the whole language and writing of the letter changes, and many scholars believe that at this point, Peter probably actually picked up the pen to finish the letter. And so the word choices change, and the grammar changes, everything changes to to a lesser uh, form of uh, intellectual writing. So here we've got an example of how what Peter's been telling us becomes absolutely true. That God uses not only Peter, who experienced his own disappointments and challenges, remember, but also Silas. And and we can go through the scripture and see how Silas was this incredible worker for the Lord who also experienced persecution. right? And then Mark... Mark's in there, and of course Mark is probably the one who ended up writing the gospel of Mark, and and we know he was a great witness for the Lord. So Peter ends reminding us, this isn't just words on a page. It's not just words on a page. This is people's lives. And Peter, and Silas, and Mark, and you are people who can have that incredible strength, power, steadiness, firmness of faith that can receive the most difficult of days and see them as that opportunity to God for God to do incredible things in our lives. And then he ends it. He ends it by saying, give each other a warm greeting and I pray that God will give peace to everyone who belongs to Christ. And that's the outcome. If if we listen to Peter in all of these weeks, that's the outcome. The outcome is this incredible sense of peace that, that, that the world can't understand. A peace that passes all understanding, that keeps our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and receives even the most difficult of days and lets God shape us and fashion us and mold us And gives God absolute control over our lives. Now, just think. This is Peter, Silas, Mark. Three guys who lived out exactly what we've been studying here in Peter. And look at the impact they had in the world. Just look at the number of people in this room today. If we live out and we receive even the difficult days, and we live in that firm faith, just think of the change we can make in this world. The witness that we can make in this world. The witness that will just envelope this whole area, that will just blanket this whole area of Mequon and Deansville and Fort Washington and, and uh, Cedarburg and Grafton and on beyond the Milwaukee. And just think of the impact. If we can receive everything that God wants to do in our life and let Him make us what He wants to make us. I want you to to, uh, watch the screens today um, and just let let this next video uh, really speak to you. Um, It is a powerful one. And uh, I hope that as you receive not only the the message here, and we end 1 Peter, uh, but as, as you receive this video, that you'll let this be a time when you can say, Lord, have your way with me. Have your way with me. Whether it is in times of joy or whether it's in times of challenge and heartache and suffering, Lord, just have your way that I might be the person, the Christ follower that you want me to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us to this moment. Thank you for this word we got from Peter. And we pray... Let us live under that hand of your control, and let us just release our whole life into you. Have your way with us, mold and shape us, that we might be those incredible, powerful witnesses to the love and the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.